Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. In the UK, 60% of the increase in food inflation has come from, from climate change. Supposedly, the Bank of England's is supposed to be tackling in, inflation for us, and they use monetary policy like interest rate hikes to tackle it. But if it's going to stay sticky up here because of things like climate change or impacting food prices, for example, then how does someone like the central bank tackle that? I discovered this thing with one set of growers who were doing regenerative agriculture, and they were achieving higher yields. But these growers were sticking carbon in the ground. And I was like, well, this is what the markets want. This is what everyone wants. Why don't we do this? I'm Richard Delavan. And I'm Claire Brady. Welcome to Wicked Problems. We're delighted to be joined by Anthony Yousefian. Anthony is a nature tech investor and longtime player on the climate tech scene here in the UK. We're so happy you could join us. Um, he was in Dubai for COP, and we were just chatting yesterday about this incredible report from the ECIU talking about the components of food price inflation. So if you're wondering why your food bills are not going down, even though energy prices went down, that's why. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks very much. Looking forward to discussing with you. Great. Listen, first, maybe just to introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners, many of them would have already come across you and heard of you, but particularly those who might be coming, tuning in from other parts of the world, maybe give us a little bit about your background. I don't think I'm that famous, Richard, but I appreciate you. <laughs> Everyone loves the hat. Everyone loves the hat. You're, you're I know. I wear the hat. Yeah, I, I used to be very famous to just constantly wearing a flat cap, but uh, it's disappeared. I need some new ones for 2024. Anyway, yeah. Hi. Um, look, a big background about myself. I started off in finance. I knew I wanted to make money. <laughs> and on that, in that area of finance, I started to see a trend. There was a trend happening where money was flowing out of, let's just say, energy and fossil fuel positions and into uh, alternative energy, solar, everything else. So money was decarbonizing. And I thought that was very interesting and was very much involved in a global environmental fund at an early stage. And it was very popular. So this is the start of an ESG wave. Um, I then went on from being on the pension and buy side, moving on to an investment banking side. Some say the dark side, 
of finance, um, but working for a Chinese investment bank. But there, so here was another massive capital allocator looking to invest in, in things there area. So this is this kind of big trend that was happening I've seen in finance, but um, we struggled with the businesses I was working with, the asset managers I was working with, we struggled with trying to find companies to invest into who were truly having a positive impact. And what I mean by that is that we couldn't quantify mm-hmm. ESG. And I thought the technology has always has been there and has always been there. We just haven't been putting it in the right places. So I started to, let's just say, put a bit of my own personal money to work into startups. But I learned hard <laughs> how hard it is. It's the romance of, yeah, invest in a startup and it becomes a unicorn. But that's not the truth. It's very hard and you lose a lot of money. But I've enjoyed every single minute of it. But I enjoyed it so much. I threw myself in the deep end to join one of these startups and fell into ag tech and was a company quantifying the environment inside greenhouses and trying to optimize food production, mm-hmm. trying to you know, increase, feed the world. Um, and it was there that I realized that farmers were still financially struggling despite increasing their yields. Um, uh, the incentives were not well aligned. But I discovered this thing with one set of growers who were doing regenerative agriculture mm-hmm. and they were achieving higher yields higher nutritional quality or quite quality of the product. Um, but this was in the cannabis and pharmaceutical sector, to be absolutely clear. Mm-hmm. And they were incentivized to grow that way. Let's be clear, because they were incentivized to grow for nut- nutritional density. Right. But these growers were sticking carbon in the ground. And I was like, well, this is what the markets want. This is what everyone wants. Why don't we do this, this thing? But there was just no incentive. There's no incentive for right. modern industrial agriculture to go and say to grow this way. But this part of the market did. Right. So I thought, could I build something in, say, apple growing or any kind of growing? But I set up my own business called BX uh, with a family farm here in the UK, the Bardsley, England, a Bardsley family. They very graciously gave capital to get this idea off the ground. Mm. And there we're trying to quantify carbon in the soil. Could we quantify the carbon in the soil for this, what, how the grower is growing? And then if we can quantify that, they can then get paid for it, right. carbon credit or the supply chain pay for it. And it was on that journey that I was learned again, um, the lack of the data points that were existing for us to prove that was true. Right? So then, yeah, I stepped away from it a year ago, but on that journey, was still frustrated by the lack of capital right. allocating correctly in this market. So I, uh, and now I've ended up at the first 30, which is a venture capital fund investing in early stage technologies like this that is trying to allocate capital into soil right. and regenerate it. Right. Sorry, long-winded introduction, but I wanted to give you the full story to how I went from finance to soil. No, I think it's fascinating. And I think it's something that it's the kind of journey that a lot of people, when you look at climate tech and how it's different from clean tech 1.0, right? When I mean, we and we do talk an awful lot about energy on this program, which mm-hmm. Claire is, I'm, I'm sure, getting a little bit annoyed by. But I think your story is a perfect example of the kind of thing that is happening more and more often. And I think that it brings home about the impacts of climate, you know, across the broadest, in the broadest sense, the entire economy. And so that's something that when we were chatting yesterday, we were looking at this report from ECIU about the impact of climate change on food prices and how that's not something that people have been talking about. And I think you were making a comment that we need some quantitative easing for soil. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> maybe tell us a little bit about that report that you were again, posting about, and hasn't this really come up on the radar more than it has to date? 
Yeah, so the point I made on the post that I was making was it was a really good report, as you mentioned. You should probably drop a link in your notes to that report. But it was claiming that look, last year, setting in the UK, 60% of the increase in food inflation at the household level has come from, from climate change, you know, disruptions in supply chain attributed to climate change. Um, and the point I was making was like, well, uh, supposedly the Bank of England's is supposed to be tackling, tackling in inflation for us and they use monetary policy like interest rate hikes to tackle it. But if it's going to stay sticky up here because of things like climate change are impacting food prices, for example, then how does someone like the central bank tackle that? And so th- will they suddenly become very interested into uh, send- allocating capital or trying to push capital into the right places at the very least? Normally, its tool is to reduce money supply. Right slow things down but it could invoke a crash in the economy right because it's trying to remove money out but it's not going to impact the inflation number because of things like weather disasters are reducing crop yields for example and disrupting supply chains Um, we're generally seeing a decline in there's so much evidence showing in many parts Mm -hmm. we've reached peak yield and you're seeing this curve like flatten out we can't get this marginal increase in yield anymore because i think for people again who are used to thinking of themselves in the kind of the, the comfortable first world OECD country. Um, they're used to thinking, hearing about, for example, the conversations around regenerative ag, or they hear about climate adaptation and they may go, oh, that's interesting. And like, oh, the economists say one pound spent in adaptation funding is seven pounds of future economic activity that's saved as a result of doing that. And like, that's all very interesting, but probably nothing to do with me. But when you start realizing it's connected and will be connected for the rest of our lives um, to the cost of living, suddenly that changes things. Don't totally agree. And I think that's what we need to do. I think for, for so long, it's certainly for me, it's been like, it's, it feels like it's the right thing to do, focus on climate change, but how does it impact me personally? And I've, uh, the, value, the business case mm. for tackling for climate capital has always been missing or sustainability. And I think if you can tie it to human pocket or health mm. and that's one area that we see as a pathway to let's just say decarbonization of the food system or a pathway to transformation of the food system is what's in it for me so human health so just on some numbers as you mentioned there like i believe we spend like let's just say 10p in the pound on our food system on our food and we're worried about food prices but we're spending three times the amount on our healthcare service and yet food is one of the biggest demand drivers to healthcare. What I mean by that is chronic disease, the number one killer on the planet and chronic diseases from cancers, diabetes, things like this are driven from food right. and it's killing us. So if we're spending over here. Why don't you start spending more on food that is preventative, that is good for you? Um, and usually, what I go back to it is that if you to achieve highly nutrient dense food that is nutrient dense for you, I'm not just saying just fresh food. A lot of the fresh food is not nutrient dense because it's been grown in a medium which is does not in soil or, or bad soils, which are not even soils. They're just dirt, dust. Right. There's chemicals going into them. Right. When you actually source food from regenerative, healthy soil, healthy source incredibly nutrient dense and high in vitamins and antioxidants and it's those that we need to be eating and when you start eating those you're healthier more productive 
And so there's a value capture there opportunity. So you, so this is why food for me is I'm so excited about it. It's like it's a it solves for human health, climate, and overall planetary um, and economic prosperity as well. So it just climate capital should be shoveling this way towards food. And I th- that's why I've been buoyed by COP right. at the very least because fossil fuels has been in. Let's just don't talk about fossil fuels. <laughs> food has risen up the agenda. And I think people are starting to realise, actually, I can have some serious impact by actually tackling the food system. Well, it's funny that you should say that because we were just thinking it's been the year that food really hit Mm, COP in a way that it just hasn't before. I think possibly COP27, there was some starting and very early sort of attempts to do that. And it started to really gather. Um, So it'd be really interesting to hear about your experience at COP. What was your motivation for going there? What have you sort of felt has come out of that? And potentially what might be the impact going forward? One of the main answer reasons for going there was actually started back earlier in the year, um, uh, being part of an initiative by EIT Food, which is EIT Food, to be clear, is uh, the innovation uh, agency or organisation of the EU, which will try and implement a lot of the EU policy. And one of them is obviously in the EU is soil, <laughs> healthy soils. And um, so they will fund initiatives and innovators to get that going, create communities. And some of the leaders there at EIT Food have been essentially frustrated by the lack of action in the kind of transformation of the food system or they try and front run this kind of policy change so we came together i think it was new york climate tech week uh try to pull together several players within the food system i say players stakeholders banks and brands traders farmers it was a real kind of mix and it was like could we come together and just can we create an alliance to just act and this is a kind of a no BS meeting of we're not not here to define what this is. How do we act? How do we remove the barriers? It was a really good meeting. And one of the key things there was actually was to take agriculture out of the narrative because when we talk about regenerative agriculture, it puts the focus and the onus to transition the food system onto the farmer. And many people might not know this, but the economics of when you buy a piece of food is pennies in the pound go to the end farmer. Who is the one who can actually truly regenerate soils and regenerate the nature, can we say, or farm in a different way. So we need to incentivize them at the moment. We've incentivized them to extract. It's not their fault. It's right. the way the system's designed. I mean, just on that point, I, I, just to jump in, I think the, I remember when I was a business editor covering this with Tesco was actually putting such pressure on farmers that they wound up actually having to pay to sell their own carrots through Tesco. Um, so the incentives are, yeah, to your point, it's not a, uh, it's not an easy business at any time, but certainly the system that we have has made it a lot harder. Yeah, exactly. T- I totally agree. And it's, it's a whole topic and it's never, you need one of these Lex Friedman podcasts, I think, but you need to go four hours on this topic. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I love it. Um, so going back to that, yeah, that meeting what came out of it was like, to, this is a food systems problem. This is not a regenerative agriculture problem. This is a food system. So altogether, but also, as we just said there, Richard, is there's not enough money or value in the food system. So the real competitor is not with ourselves, not with supermarkets to farmers. That's not. This we haven't got a. Of course, we've got to be better, more equitable pay there. But the value of the food system is too low. We're not valuing food properly or nature 
high enough and the value that it brings. So um, our real competitor is with other sectors. It was like this agreement in this alliance was like, we need to capture value from other sectors who are taking more of the consumer pocket right now. If we can get people paying or citizen paying more for food because of the value it brings and then governments and regulation will allocate capital, central banks, as we said, can, should start driving capital and investment towards this area because it can have huge positive impact. So that was a kind of a first meeting which was great and we're trying to s- snowball that. And then this was like another meetup at COP of those players and we had more people participating, which was great. We, we had like MasterCard turned up, Fujitsu turned up, Google in this kind of discussion. People are really from all different areas are turning up going, I, I really want to be part of this conversation. I can help. How do we accelerate this? So that was actually the main reason for doing that at COP. And it just, as you mentioned, COP really, um, it was the year of food. Uh, and it was a good place to do it. So just sort of springing off from that. So what do you th- what would you say is the plan for the next sort of 12 months in terms of this idea of food systems it's such a complex thing as soon as you try to solve something at a systemic level it's almost so complicated that it's like well what do you do first so is there a sense that from that next meeting that you've got a a bit of a roadmap of what you're wanting to do are you still trying to figure that out yeah this is not gonna be solved very very quickly but this is definitely a grouping an alliance of people who want to do an act so it'd be like not to talk not too much talking, but let's come together in a communication of how we would act. So there's already like a data and technology working group trying to knock down the barriers of allowing all these parties to communicate and work together. For example, data standards, incentives. These are some of the things that people have friction or why they won't share between each other. So these are some of the things coming out. But ultimately, look, you, you made a great point. This It is incredibly complex, and this is why we probably don't see um, capital allocating well in this area sometimes um, this is why the, some of the work I'm doing for the funds the first 30 is investing in the companies that are creating generating the primary data on all of those systems upstream right at the soil level what I mean by those systems is below ground in the soil there are multiple systems in a teaspoon of soil there's more life than there are is humans on the planet that hopefully will blow some people's minds away. So we don't even understand that. So we're investing in technology companies that are quantifying that, quantifying the fungus, quantifying the bacteria, the soil health, the water. And if we can start understanding how that's changing, elementally, ultimately real time, we can then start creating the intelligence of when those two communities work together, they're better. And then it's also the things above ground. So it's the management of the farm. It's the animals grazing. It is the inputs we put in. It's the the plants themselves, the weather. They're all systems. They all need data feeds. But the good news is today, which is the hot topic of the year, right, is AI is at our fingertips now. Before I haven't had this. In the seven or eight years I've been trying to do ag tech, like this has probably been holding it back a little Mm -hmm. bit. It's like we're excited by the data, but we can't plug it into anything we now literally have really lowered the barrier on AI. So we can handle this complexity now. So we're really seeing already a massive first for these data streams. So we're investing in those early stage companies generating those data streams, also the companies that are creating the intelligence. Mm-hmm. And then you can start having these solutions. So I'm talking about it. The food system really needs to, to act. This is what everyone is saying. I want to transform right 
but I don't know how to do it. And so that's why we're... And even the name of the fund, right? So TFT, so the first 30, just to be really clear, that's the first, like the six inches of topsoil of, that make up the... Uh, you know, yeah, metrics versus yeah. Right. <laughs> imperial. But yeah, exactly. The first 30 centimeters, everyone talks about the topsoil is, is the most important part. It's where all the life and all the decomposition and life comes from. Wow. So that's why we're focusing on that. And there was a film that actually we got, uh, I don't know if it was premiered at COP, but I think that you posted about that as well called, uh, I don't know, again, so again, forgive the imperial measurement, but yeah, that's probably <laughs> why it was on the brain. I saw the trailer, but I didn't actually, obviously I wasn't in Dubai, so I didn't see the film. Um, did you catch it yourself? Yeah, no, we have uh, been supporters of it. We're one of the partners of, it's been, it's a film of three emerging regenerative farmers in UK who are trying to implement this. Um, it's really, it's a really good film and it's been funded on literally a shoestring. I, I can't kid you. Like it's been crowdfunded by so many people. Um, but I think it's, I think it's great. And we need more content like this. One, it explains the importance of soil. Two, it shows how hard farming really is, but how much value adding it can be and how exciting it can be. And it's an emerging area, which more people are trying to get into. So I think it does a lot. And so that's coming out next year. And I think it's going to be shown in, let's say, pockets of small showings. I think they're hoping to have it on your Netflixes soon and stuff. But there is some great content on there as well, like Kiss the Ground. If you haven't seen that on Netflix, recommend it. Or The Biggest Little Farm. Watch those two films. Watch Six Digits of Soil. And if you don't, if you're not convinced, message me and I'll send you, I'll send you some more science and evidence and data because it's the only way out of this problem is regenerative food systems and farming. And I think, well, hopefully uh, I know that they're open to having some screening. So I will uh, mm. maybe hit you up for a contact there about trying to organize a Wicked yeah. Problems screening of uh, it. six inches. So that'd be great. Yeah. So it, it, in terms of COP28 itself, so you went there, you were there for, I think, for the one day. Um, before I ask you this, the actual serious question, just have to ask, like, uh, first of all, are you a COP newbie? Was this your first... Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase time and uh what was your impressions of the fact that it's a uh, half carnival half trade show half uh lobby fest half uh davos type stuff versus the actual negotiation so what was it like being on the ground yeah no not my first one um but uh, look, i look at it i look at it from a perspective of where else can you get together all these nations in one area and just at least have a conversation and at least get we've at least been able to get these fossil fuel nations to put this wording in transition, but it's not the phase down. But it's last time we struggled to get coal, kind of, and then now we have a whole fossil fuels. Now we have food right at the top, 
I don't think there's a better meetup. It is, is the coming of parties, right? And the biodiversity one now, which is obviously important. So no, I look at it as, I do look at it as like, as much as we can get frustrated about it, but it's good that we get frustrated about it. We can make it better next time. We can talk about it openly and discuss it. It's when we don't talk about it is the problem. So I don't believe in abstaining and not turning up to these things because it's a fossil fuel nation and stuff like that. We have to be at the table talking and trying to negotiate about it this cancel culture and everything else does does not work and will not work. So we have to have open, honest discussions and listen to everyone's opinion because they do have some points like us as developed nations have got to this point. Mm. We've polluted the planet and damaged everything and set it up our way. Mm. These emerging nations are still getting there. There's people, a lot of people in poverty and they don't care. Mm. In the end, I go back to, if you're looking after your children and yourself, you just got to survive. I don't care that someone over here is hurting you always human nature is going to look after oneself so we have to uh, be empathetic to that so no look i'm I, I think it's a good thing i'm positive about it i'm taking some positives on it we just got to keep the momentum up and uh, and keep the noise going so right. i yes it was a bit of a i wouldn't look at it i didn't think it was any different to glasgow right. personally like obviously the dubai does it in a different way but there's a trade show when, when i went to dubai uh, to glasgow as well slightly so better weather this time i went in it from a from a, a different angle before I was a startup. Right. So I was coming at it from an, an investor perspective. But yeah. So what did you think of the Emirates declara- declaration that came out, uh, 130 countries that did pledge um, certain principles about regenerative ag and the food system in general? Um, in, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the final text in terms of what came out for, as part of the COP agreement, but what was your impression? Was it everything you were hoping for? Was it the things that uh, you'd be you're looking forward to things progressing in Baku, of all places, next year? Is it because at least that all got organized? I couldn't believe that when I didn't click that we didn't actually have a location sorted. For... I mean, I, I don't personally mind going to Baku. I might go there, but uh, I was Bon felt like it was going to be a little bit of an easier trip here from, from the UK. But anyway, uh, but in terms of the text itself, in terms of what got decided, where you, you know, as somebody who looks at this very carefully, uh, do you think that the final text was living up to what the promise looked like the week before? Um, again, I think that's more of a, I think the, the anger was towards the energy side, but from my side, there was, uh, the word regenerative was actually in that text for me, which is significant is on the adaptation side as well. Um, uh, there was a call to financing farmers and it's at the, the numbers are small, but it's a first step. Um, but there's an acceptance and then there was links to climate and nutrition, um again these are all kind of big firsts uh, so i think uh, stepping stone of course i would love more <laughs> but like as you said i've just i just mentioned just then uh, some content for people to get up to speed on this so there's a big education process still to go on for everyone right i think we're all learning i don't know anything i'm still every day i learn so much in this space and hence we're trying to create those data feeds so look um I was again. I'm looking at it. It was a positive text, but we'll see how it lands. We'll see right. what happens. It's all about the action, anyway. I, I don't expect massive groundswell changes, but hopefully, it creates momentum. Something you said earlier about AI and how actually mm. now with AI in play, you mm-hmm. may be more at a cusp of being able to capture this data and use it in a really interesting way so a few weeks ago LinkedIn did this uh, thing of like the top trends for 2024 for sustainability and so I responded to that and I picked nature tech as one of my five top trends that I felt was going to go 
Yeah, exactly. And interestingly enough, which sort of feels like this is a very sort of um, opportune moment, someone jumped onto the comments and they actually said soil. They were like, soil is going to be big. You need to get into soil. And I was like, that's really interesting. I don't know enough about it. I actually need to learn more. So obviously I'm now going to be going away and watching all these films. But I think (laughs) for me, I think it just is sort of hearing perhaps just expand that little bit about the role of AI and what that might enable the sector to do. Because I think it's really important, as you say, that if you can't get the data, then it's very difficult to get the capital to flow against. Whether we like it or not, we need to understand the impact. We need to somehow quantify that. So just be interesting to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, sure. sure. So the reasons why we're not acting or not doing anything is because we don't have the information to so an argument at the moment is like, what do I do to transform, for example, my farm? What practices do I need to do? Do I plant? What cover crops? What animals do I need to integrate back in? What plants to plant? And we don't, haven't uh, codified, should we say, that, that knowledge base anyway, because the knowledge is built up on just previous experiences of the farmer and everything else. And we don't actually know what activity is actually going on. So um that's incredibly complex. There's so many different things that can change. Like you need a real, um, you need a real time feed of the weather changing. You can say I did this. I did exactly the same as last year and everything else. But how much rain did it happen? What species and insects went through that at that point in time? Um, there's so many different variables that kind of change. And previously, getting all those data feeds has always been very expensive. Um. Uh, but you can plug those data. No, the data fees have previously been expensive, but they're now you've got Earth observation. There's so many different ways to gather this data, but it's much cheaper now. The most important thing I would say on this point is if we look back to the first computer versus what the power we have today, it's not AI, but it's, it, AI exists because of the bandwidth we have. I think I'm going to misquote this now, but um, it's on my LinkedIn page. I made a post on it. Um, but it's something like um, 12 trillion of ba- increase of bandwidth, quint as it tw- as some sort of 20 quintillion increase in memory um, and processing power since the first computer. So we can handle now nature's complexity. All these different systems are changing real time as we speak. They're always adapting. We've got to we've got to understand how they're moving and changing. And so this is right. If you're looking for a use case for AI, it's not booking a booking my holiday and everything else or <laughs> some sort of application around that for ChatGPT. It's plugging it in and understanding how nature is changing and how we can coexist with it and work with it and re- regenerate it. Because I can tell you now, there's research showing that shows that this planet. Yes, this planet is in decline, but this planet had much larger holding capacity. It's not that there's too many humans. It's not because there's too many cows. I can show you, I can point you towards research. This planet had much larger holding capacity of things, animals and us, like megafauna, large animals. Uh, They eat lots of material, right? And so the more species, it's quite clear evidence, the more species on this planet, the larger the animals, the more carbon holding capacity this planet can do. We've just declined all of these things. And so, yes, it doesn't have the holding capacity of us at the moment. So this will unearth as you plug in these data feeds from all these different things that are changing real time. And so I think even Elon 
some people had negative things to him or positive, however you may look at him. He is developing a new AI company right now, right? And I think his mission is to let me understand the universe, understand the why we are here. He's saying the same thing. He's saying, I'm going to use AI for positive good to understand how this all works and works together because um, it's 4 billion years of R&D has been going on. And we've only been on it for a very spec, tiny bit of spec. And we've turned up thinking that we know how to work with it. There's so much to learn. So sorry, long-winded answer, but the point being, I hope it's landed, is uh, it, it's an exciting amount. There's so much complexity and so much we don't understand, mm. but there's so many answers there as well, which we can. So again, I'm very positive and excited about applying AI and plugging in those data feeds to understand it better. <laughs> oh, apologies, dog barking and ring doorbell going off. Modern day society. <laughs> um, do you need to check on something or are you okay? Uh, ring doorbell. It's the dogs become conditioned. It's quite, isn't it? Uh, to react to ring doorbell <laughs> okay. uh, activity. Okay. <laughs> All good. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I'm not sure even, yeah, my dog seemed to have disappeared for the moment. So I'm, I'm not unhappy about that for this particular <laughs> second. But anyway, um, so Anthony, in terms of TFT then, I mean, one of the things that, I think investors have looked at nature tech or the food system in general and have, I suppose, haven't, for the same reasons that farming itself isn't always, is, is hard. Uh, people who, you know, f- farmers who I know and you know, you know through the work um, can find it incredibly difficult, can be challenging uh, economically. So why is it bankable? Why is it investable? What's, is that, is the fact that you have, these data streams coming down in cost that you can do more with it. I guess, where do you guys see you know, the opportunity for returns on investment? Yeah. Um, the best performing asset class, best way to explain this, um, probably in the last 30, 40 years, I think, probably 50 years, is actually land has actually been, it's outperformed uh, stocks, outperform bonds and also from a i think it's very similar to stocks on an absolute basis but in terms of volatility if you just put money into land you would have made the same amount as on stocks but in that but you had lost her credible volatility with stocks for example so um something going on there but soil land land that we can use that has not been destroyed we desertified it essentially from climate change and how we've managed it is there's like 500 million hectares now of it now but um, is in decline. I think we're losing something like 23 million hectares a year of land that we can farm on and utilize. So again, you've got an asset which is in decline. So it's increased scarcity. It's going to go up in value, right? So again, it's not a bad place to be investing into. Now, what will start to happen is the market will start to recognize that it's you want land that it can produce food, can produce biomass. And it's there is lots of evidence out there that GDP um, is under, well, nature underpins majority of GDP. So if nature's in decline, the quotes, some of the quotes is like uh, FAO quotes, like 50% of GDP is reliant on nature. So as you mentioned, right, that food prices are increasing because of climate change. So it's nature's in decline, right? That's the ultimate reason. So other asset classes and other parts of the economy will have price increases, fashion, property will have issues right because buying you can't get hold of the biomass 
because nature's in decline, for example. So these things, you're going to start seeing that kind of come uh, come through. So that's why we are trying to um, help farmers or landowners or land managers, uh, land managers or stewards of the land, mm-hmm. show them how to regenerate it because if they can regenerate it, they're going to become the most valuable asset managers on the planet, right? Interesting. Um, they're going to be the new Black Rocks. They're going to be the new hedge funds who will be driving around in Lamborghinis. That's what we hope. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And I mean, and I suppose the companies that you work with, I mean, at TFT, we had Jim Mann from Undo on on the show yes. as one of our early guests. Um, and I suppose it's, the, and so the, yeah, there's a lot of interest in that part of the space. But what other kinds of, of firms, not necessarily wanting you to give away anything that there might be term sheets out there, but um, in terms of kind of companies, in the, I guess if you want to call them portcos or just in your network or things that are popping up for you as being interesting in the, in the coming months. Yeah, no, so uh, we'll give an example. So yeah, we've supported uh, uh, Jim in our previous uh, syndication of investors. But in the fund, like for give an example, um, uh, well, one we can't, I don't think we can announce it just yet, but it's a nutrient density measurement company. They're measuring nutrient density of food. So if you can quantify that this apple or this apple, well, this apple is 10 times more nutritious than that one. If the brand starts advertising my apples are better than their apples, they can start capturing the, let's mention to you, the healthcare opportunity, right. capture more of the wallets. And then that's more money into the food system. And then they will start sourcing for more healthy soils and incentivizing farmers to do healthy soils, for example. That's one example. Another uh, example is a regenerative in our portfolio is a regenerative grazing company called Rumi. Um, They are helping farmers move to regenerative grazing, which is basically biomimicking nature. When herds of animals used to roam the plains, they would eat the grass or eat the vegetation and move on. Obviously, we keep them in one area. And what they do is use earth observation and sensor technology to know exactly when to move on the livestock. And by when you nibble the grass, when the animal nibbles the grass, it actually makes the plant panic and grow faster. So you get more carbon sequestration, more food for the animal at the optimizer. And then you, yeah, you don't damage the area, you actually invigorate biodiversity is what happens. So it's a great little free app, actually, which farmers should use here in the UK, for example, uh, called Rumi. And so, yeah, they are helping farmers transition. That's a perfect solution that we would invest into, but they're gathering primary data. Um, and yeah, we've invested in weather companies and saw health companies and saw measurement companies are inviting us in us and us in our suites. Right. No, it, it's something that it's absolutely fascinating. We could go on for ages and, but you've been very gen- yes. generous with your time, Anthony. Uh, but no, it's fascinating. We'll obviously put that in the show notes to check out. Uh, the other portcos and people in the network um, that you guys have worked with, uh, all fascinating group of companies that I wouldn't have put together in one basket if I hadn't seen it through this lens. So that's really interesting. Um, so look, that's fantastic. I suppose we do ask everybody who comes on the show, Anthony, to give some recommendations, catalysts of things that have influenced your kind of point of view on, uh, and it could be books, could be films. What have you got for listeners? What recommendations do you have? Well, I think I've done it. <laughs> I love content like that. I do have lots of books that are piled up on my side of my desk, which I, I don't get the time to read, I don't think. But um, yeah, I mentioned, I would point listeners to go watch those films, Kiss the Ground, Biggest Little Farm, on the kind of content side, Six Inches of Soils coming out. But then two podcasts have had a big influence on me. 
was when I discovered soil health's potential. John Kempf uh, was a podcast which is all about uh, you know implementing regenerative agriculture and how you know, hard it is and just interviewing those people and everyone in the industry. And then a gentleman called Kuhn Van Sajan, who does a podcast called Investing in Regenerative Agriculture. Ugh, amazing content there from all different types of people, again, in the food industry, up and down. Um, and, and everyone on there generally loves soil. So these two have feed, fed me with so much knowledge and then spurred me to look at so many papers and everything else. So I think I would point towards these things that are very easily to digest those pieces of content than a book. If you want one book, What Your Food Ate, have a look at that, What Your Food Ate. What we eat, right? We say you are what you eat. What about what your food ate? In other words, what's your food getting from the soil? These chemicals, these things. And funny, if it's eating this stuff, it's coming out quite bad, actually, if you measure it. It's not looking good. I'll give you just as an example before on that. Like cows, livestock, which we eat, we feed them with grain, right? We've been feeding them very much there. And those things are omega-6 rich. Omega-6 is quite inflammatory to us. It's good for us, but it's also, but we need to balance it with omega-3. And so a lot of our diets are omega-6 rich. So very inf- inflammation. So go back to the point about chronic disease. Right. Our bodies are inflamed a lot. So we're probably triggering these issues, these chronic diseases, where if you eat, if an animal has been eating from pasture, regenerative, graze, biodiverse areas, they are, they are balanced, they're omega-3 rich, a bit more balanced, and they don't get you don't get the illnesses basically <laughs> because for these so again check what your food is eating right is an important so it's, yeah the book's called what your food ate by david m montgomery and, and anna Bik- Bikke, i think her name is but yeah that's a good book well anthony i seem like a good place to leave it and uh, i suppose the ultimate pitch for you guys is uh, land they're not making any more of it in fact we have less of it now, um, it sounds like. So thank you again for coming on the show, Anthony and Claire. Always pleasure. Thank you. I loved it. And um, we could talk uh, much longer. And I'd love to do it again over a pint, maybe. <laughs> and that condition co- uh, continues the tradition of Richard making plans to go drinking with people. But also, thank Doesn't you so he? much. Oh, right. Yeah, the, <laughs> if you listen to some of the other earlier episodes, he's got drinks lined up in all manner of cities. Uh, across northern Europe Um, but no thank you so much because uh, as I said this is sort of inadvertently ticked that box which was to go and learn a lot more about soil so I sort of feel like I've got my work cut out a couple of good a good um, films to go and watch so thank you and and let's definitely have that pint and also we can figure it uh, offline we can figure out uh, how to get a a wicked problem screening of uh, six inches of soil sometime in the new year all right thanks Thanks for listening to Wicked Problems. And if you like this conversation, please share it and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps people find the show. You can subscribe to our newsletter at news.wickedproblems.uk, where you can also find more episodes with Richard Elvin and Claire Brady and all our show notes. And consider becoming a paid subscriber to help support our work. You can also find us wherever you get your podcasts. For now, thanks for listening. I'm a little bit worse for wear from uh, having gone to a comedy <laughs> event last night and then having met someone before that, and uh, some, there was some wine that was consumed. So, uh, yeah, so I'm uh, a little bit raspy today, more than usual. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.